1: Montana, the biggest villains in sports history, a fire destroying 45,000 barrels of Jim Beam. And various other things having to do with the 4th of July. It to 2TEL and Nuwana's on 1029 ESPN Radio and across the state on SWX Montana Television. Outstanding to be with you here on 4th of July Eve, also known as the 3rd of July. Happy to uh, have you on board. We are broadcasting live from the Kurtz Polaris studios. Kurtz Polaris is where they are celebrating right now their 30th birthday. That's right. 30 years they've been in business over there at Kurtz, and they are... Celebrating by giving you up to thirty percent off. That's right, thirty percent off MSRP on select parts and accessories with the purchase of any new Polaris ro- uh, road off-road vehicle, Husqvarna or Beta dirt bike, or any Crest pontoon boat. Some restrictions apply. See Kurtz for details. But get to Kurtz Polaris in Missoula and Sealy all month for Kurtz's thirtieth year, thirty-year anniversary. You want to find us on the World Wide Web. Do it. 1029ESPN.com. There you can listen to the stream. No matter where you are, you're out of market. Maybe it's just easier. Maybe you're still at work. Maybe you're one of the only one of like 11 people left and uh, still you know, in your workplace right now. You can go ahead and listen on the stream. It's very, very simple. And it is brought to us by Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. If you want to call us, we can take that two three two nine one eight nine nine 329-1899, the phone number. 329-1899, the phone number. All guests join us via the Rangers Brothers RV phone line. You're going to need that phone number because, boys and girls, today, even though it's the last day of the week, is a wing it Wednesday. So uh, get yourself ready. we got some trivia questions for you coming up through the show here. Uh, and uh, we'll get you some wings to the Desperado Sports Tavern, the best wings in the city of Missoula, according to the voting public in this part of the world. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you're watching, listening, and out of market, you can call in, too. And uh, next time you're through town, you can go sample the wares. Uh, today, we got a bunch to talk about Colter at a a great question that he wanted to discuss is where have all the villains in sports gone? Good question. I, f- I have a feeling this is relating to his continued uh, interest and perspective on the women's U.S. national team. But nonetheless, it is a good question because we've had a lot of them. And it seems like there's less of them now. or at least villains for different reasons. So we'll get into that stuff. As I said, a wing at Wednesday. We also are going to talk a little bit of Osprey today. Uh, the Osprey uh, uh, playing in their final home game of this home stand. It's fireworks night tonight. It's going to be a big night at the park. Coulter and I are going to go down there, take the family, get the kids involved, the whole deal. So we're going to have a nice night. And uh, if you want to go down there, go check that out. That'll be fun. But the uh, uh, Osprey getting a win last night, handing the Chuckers just their second loss of the season last night, 2-1. to one. So uh, the rubber match today uh, in Missoula. We also uh, are going to get into really the, 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 the worst thing, uh, just a tragedy. Uh, truly, that has uh, befallen uh, the United States of America in the past 24 hours or so. Um, 45,000 barrels of bourbon caught fire. I mean, this, on the day before the 4th of July, this seems bad. Like, this could derail the whole thing. I don't know if there's going to be a firework shot off in the whole country. 45,000 barrels of Kentucky Jim Beam bourbon, boom, up in smoke, and it is burning as we speak. Interesting situation, that is. I'll tell you all about it. I'll tell you why they need to put that fire out in a quick, quick hurry. So we'll get into all of that stuff and more on the big show. It is the 3rd of July, so we got plenty to do. But normally we do this on Friday, but let's be honest, it doesn't matter what day it is. It just matters that it's the day before the weekend. Heck, if you're Tommy Evans, it's just every single day. It doesn't matter at all. You go to Florence Coffee Company and you get yourself loaded up with some caffeine and you stay up late and you do the thing tonight and then you get up, you know, whenever you want to on the 4th of July because you know it's going to be a late night tomorrow if you get it up to the lake, whatever. How many people are listening to us right now, Coulter? I would say. I I would say about 20% of normal, so like 25,000. No, 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 no. I would say 500% of normal because everyone is driving right now. Everybody is in their cars, headed for the hills, headed for the lakes, headed for the rivers, whatever they are. It is a parking lot across western Montana. And, uh, you know, they're, they're all tuning. Hey, take it easy with each other. You know what I'm saying? There, You're going to be you know, just, you know, you're going to get there for crying out loud. Think about Coulter and me. We're still in here on our grind. We're still working. We just started our work day for crying out loud. So you guys can have a little patience you have a little patience out there on the road, you're right. We've been working all day, but we're we're still here. We're doing it. So, you know, we'd like to be in the car with you, headed to the lake, and we're not, headed camping, and we're not. So, you know, don't, don't feel too bad for yourself. Don't get upset with each other. Just go out there. Take it easy. But there are a lot of people listening to us on the 3rd of July right now as everybody heads out of town. Well, guess what? You want to save some time, you're you're not getting anywhere anyway. You might as well drop in, get yourself a Florence Coffee Company coffee. I got myself standard iced uh, 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 vanilla latte. Colter, you went iced coffee today, too. You're a big tea guy. It looks like you went coffee today. Turning it back up. Whoa. Colter's got to get back in, too. He knows it's going to be a late night watching all my kids because I'm not paying attention.
0: (laughs) we got about six under the age of six-year-olds coming with us to the Osprey game tonight. Oh, yeah, because my buddy Steve's got kids, too.
1: Oh, Steve's kids. Coming Brooks's along. kid. Yeah, everybody's kids. You know, I said you should go to the game, and I told everybody get, get down there. Maybe not. You know, maybe just don't go, because it, it's going to be... Uh, we're outnumbered tonight, my friend. We're well, here's the thing. There, I'm going to test all
0: your parenting skills, and oh. I'm going to show you a little trick. Okay. It's called don't pay attention to them.
1: Bud, They'll be just fine. Bud, of all of the people that you know that's a parent... <laughs> <laughs> who, who is more employed that strategy than me? You know this. It's true. That's why your daughter is 17 years old. And that's also why my wife is, I'm the source of all of her consternation. Where, where is your son? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't hear anything. So it seems like it's okay. You know, actually that's the thing. You want to hear him crying. Like if they're crying, it's all right. When you hear nothing, you know that all of the milk is on the floor. All of the oil has been poured out onto the garage. You know, that's when you know there's no wor- there's nothing going on. That's when you're into real trouble. That's what every parent knows for sure.
0: Your brother and I were playing golf the other day, and we were talking about how we have a lot of our friends from childhood's memor- or, uh, numbers memorized, phone numbers memorized. Mm. He's like, I don't know yours, though. I said, yeah, I don't know yours either. And then we realized that, one, Austin has not answered the phone even when it was... He didn't answer the phone when he was eight. Never, let alone thirty. Never, nope. And uh, I also remember that I don't ever remember actually calling him or inviting my or, or getting invited to your house. I just got on my just bike and rode up. to the That's house because right. everybody there. was on the basketball court right behind your house. That's right. That's where the game always you was. Just
1: arrive. Yeah, absolutely. Mom, be back later. There you go. Uh, okay, very good. Go to Florence Coffee Company. Stay up late. Sleep in and uh, enjoy your weekend, your Fourth of the July weekend with some Flo Coco. Uh Coulter, guess what I did today
0: you ro- rode the bike I talked to you you were you were breathing Huffing. Uh, I
1: think strenuously he, I answered the phone and you immediately said, "Are you doing push-ups now which would be a very difficult task on the phone I might add as an odd fu- well, odd way to answer the phone if you're up there doing the push-ups. I of course, as you know, can do as many one-handed push-ups as I want so I can talk on the phone while I'm doing push-ups, but most cannot. So it was a reasonable thought by you, but no, I was on the bike and you said, dude, you don't have the slightest clue. And I was like, wait, yeah, I do. I mean, can't you hear me (laughs) breathing over here and we're working up a sweat? Like, bud, I, I, I don't know if I'm making it in tonight because I was (laughs) over there at the sweat cycle and the first word of the thing is no lie. I mean, you said you said to me in text, I think I've lost eight pounds today.
0: Eight I, pounds. I, I, I'm not kidding. I'm not <laughs> kidding. I lost four pounds during this workout. You did? I lost four pounds in the workout. I weighed myself before because I knew it was going to be crazy. So Sweat Cycle, they don't just do cycling. These cycling classes are great. You guys should go try them out because they really they they get – the best way I could say it is they get harder every time because you get better at it, so you push yourself more. Yeah. And it's a great way to push yourself. You're in and out. I mean – I was soaking wet walking out of there last night. I, I we don't get done here till six, six fifteen. Yep. I was out of there by seven fifteen. Workout. Good.
1: Ready to go. Done deal.
0: Cook yourself whatever you want for dinner. Feeling great. Feeling righteous. But today, they got some other stuff too. Sweat intensive, which is like cycling plus weightlifting. But I went to the the king, the queen. called Drench. And you go into this.
1: You know, 21 Pilots' new record is called it's, Trench. It's,
0: it's, like, uh, it's, like, it's like a chic dungeon below Sweat Cycle. It's really cool. It's re- it's, I mean, it's fancy, state-of-the-art weight room, but it's underground. I mean, it's below Broadway right there. I never even knew this space existed, but they've remodeled it. It's totally cool. I
1: mean, the innuendo is that, well, you're already here in case you don't make it, right? I <laughs> yeah. mean, that's the point, isn't yeah. it? Yeah,
0: and uh, these workouts, you know, I mean, it is, it, They are, they are so hard. They're so hard, but they go by so fast and, man, mean, just soaked at the end. Mm. It, all sorts of strength and core stuff and stuff you would literally never do on your own. Even if you are listening to this and you're a weightlifter or you're a trail runner or a jogger, the stuff that we did, you would never do it. You wouldn't even think of doing it. Mm. It's the creativity of it, let alone the movements and stuff, but it was it was an excellent workout, and Allie is a great teacher. I appreciate her being a part of this show, and uh, thanks for having us, and... You guys should go check it out. The corner of Higgins and Broadway, Sweat Cycle, Sweat Shop. It's a good
1: place to be. Colter, you wanted to talk about villains today, villains in sports. Who are some of the great ones, and why does it seem like there's not that many villains out there today? Two two entry points for Okay, this. let's hear it.
0: One, I uh, was watching Dennis Rodman highlights yesterday. And Dennis Rodman, for my money, is the greatest villain in the history of the NBA. Dennis Rodman, I know he's, he's a strange guy. He got as much publicity for his varying hairdos and his nose piercings and his girlfriends and boyfriends as, as anybody. But he also is... Questionably the best rebounder in the history of the league and certainly it, the best. Is it the best
1: questionable
0: Ben Wallace is the other one, okay. right? I mean Ben Wallace was Ben Wallace was Dennis Rodman without talking and 28-inch biceps.
1: Yeah. But not for nearly as long. I no,
0: not for nearly as long. Not for nearly as long. But, not, okay, so, so. as long. but he but, but Rodman, I think, is unquestionably the greatest antagonist in, in league history. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, if you were to ask Alonzo Mourning, David Robinson, Carl Malone, on down the line, Sean Kemp, Frank Burkowski, wherever you want to get to. Patrick Ewing, they would all say, yeah, I hate Dennis Rodman.
1: Dennis Rodman's our least favorite player to play against. Let me ask you this, because you used the the word that's exactly the one I was looking for, antagonist. Yeah. Is antagonist and villain synonymous? No, because I think that in
0: certain sports, there is not really an antagonist role. I mean, like baseball... You just have to be a a, a different sort of personality to be a villain because you're not necessarily antagonizing anybody unless you're a bat flipper or whatever.
1: I kind of think Bryce Harper is the closest thing to a villain right now in baseball. I would agree. He's not an antagonist per se, but I would also... Dennis Rodman was certainly villainous in some ways, but I don't know... Like I would say that Bill Lambeer and Rick Mahorn, the two bad boys enforcers, were as big of villains... If you're talking, because I always consider villains through the, 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 the lens of the fan. Totally. And it's who does, who does everybody all together, we all hate Love this guy. Hate. Love to hate you him, know? right? And I don't think Rodman got that. He certainly got his share of hate, but I think there's a lot of people, and I would put myself in this camp, who loved Rodman while he was playing, loved him. Totally.
0: The other entry point for this was I watched a two-part documentary on HBO called What's My Name about Muhammad Ali, it's produced by LeBron James Maver- Maverick Carter, it's it's phenomenally done because it's not a documentary where you know they're showing highlights and they're breaking away 40 years later, having George Foreman talk about fighting Ali, having Joe Frazier talk about fighting Ali. That's not it. It's c- clips of him telling his own story, narrating his own story from the time he's an amateur boxer all the way through the time of his death. And it's so well done. It's chilling to really... Th- to, to watch him tell his own story, because so much of it gets left out. And when you actually watch Ali, I mean, Ali at the beginning, when he's living in segregated Louisville, he's trying to become an Olympic boxer, he's a very polite, non-brash, very humble, very soft-spoken guy. But there's this moment in the first portion of this film where Muhammad Ali tells the story about the first time he went to Madison Square Garden and watched a professional wrestling match, and he saw gorgeous George, Burgess George is the godfather of the heel. If you know anything about wrestling, I'm a huge pro wrestling guy because I think that pro wrestling is it's the greatest like modern display of the dichotomy of good and evil. It's just people get on wrestling because it's choreographed and it's scripted. That's the point. It's like it's like an acrobatic aerial play between bodybuilders. And Gorgeous George was the guy who created the heel, the guy who everyone loved to hate. And then okay. throughout all of wrestling history, there's been so many great heels. So the great wrestlers of all time are are the guys that everybody loved to hate. Oh, the Rick, heel wasn't a move. I thought it no, was No, a no, no, the heel the heel's the character, the right? Okay. The guy who's relishing in the crowd yeah, booing him. Yeah. Bring it on. Rick Flair is the great example of this, yeah, right? He's good. Gorgeous George 2.0. And there's been so many different guys like that. Brock Lesnar and you know Hunter Hearst Helmsley, Triple H, guys like that and and there's been guys that have gone between. I mean, Hulk Hogan was the greatest wrestling hero and then the greatest wrestling heel when he became Hollywood Hogan. But, it, you know, it's, it's part of a shtick. Sure. But but also, those guys loved to be hated, and it was such a fuel to their fire. And then when you start going through just pro sports in the 80s, those guys like Lawrence Taylor. You know, Lawrence Taylor doesn't care what you think of him. Lawrence Taylor's just trying to be the baddest dude on the block. Yeah. Brian Bosworth, great villain. Yeah. Right? In the '90s, you have kind of the, the the forefront of the smack talking receivers, guys like Keyshawn Johnson, Terrell Owens, Randy Moss to a certain extent, Chad Johnson certainly. Guys, that they any attention's good attention, any publicity is good publicity. I'ma say whatever I want. If you're thinking about me, I'm winning. Even if you're thinking about me because you hate me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, all the guys I was thinking of off the top of my head that are villains, people hate them because they're criminals. And it's not as if they have a persona where they're embracing this. Uh, where's, you know, where's the Albert Bells? Where's the Barry Bonses? Where's the even the Roger Clemens? The guys that g- people truly love to hate because they're surly, because they're brash, because they take no prisoners, because they're and, irreverent. And
1: that revel in it. And revel in it. Because there's a right. lot of guys who get some of that and clearly don't like it, you know, and don't and, – and, and sort of shy away from that. And that's why I think Bryce Harper is maybe as close – as I can think of right now, because I don't know if he revels in it so much as he just—it seems like—truly does. Just not doesn't care. bother. Him. Does not care.
0: The other guy that I thought of—that was—I uh, mean, probably the, best, the biggest superstar, who's like this is Floyd Mayweather.
1: Culture. some people like the Clark Fork, some people like the Flat Hood, the Bitterroot. My favorite river has always been Blackfoot.
0: We finally agree on something. Me too. I love Thibodeau Falls, I love Rainbows, and I love the Blackfoot River.
1: You know, if a company was smart, they'd just name themselves Blackfoot. By God, look at the geniuses over here at Blackfoot. They've gone and they've done it, and now guess what? They're working around the clock and around the state to lay hundreds of miles of fiber optic cables to increase Hugely, the the efficiency and the speed of communication across the state of Montana.
0: It's pretty likely you already know Blackfoot as a local partner for internet, voice, professional services, anything you need to fuel your growing business. But like you said, they're building hundreds and hundreds of miles of cable across Montana. And right now, they're expanding their fiber network into Bozeman, St. Ignatius, and other
1: regions. Find out more about what Blackfoot does. Give them a call. 866-541500 8665415000 or go to goblackfoot.com that's goblackfoot.com you can click on the link here on the podbean site or if you're listening in elsewhere just copy the URL drop it in there goblackfoot.com I was going to say you know the the arena and this goes back to your wrestling thing you talked about but when you get into the fighting whether it's the boxing whether it's I mean is Conor McGregor Maybe, you know, I mean, who's more villainous than that guy, even though he's got plenty of fans or had plenty of fans going on? I mean, people, you know, would he would just talk and talk and talk. I mean, it was a WWE act, but it was an actual fight, you know, when he was doing it. and And so I think the realm of boxing of MMA is very conducive to that, and you don't have – I mean – it's fighting for crying out loud. You know what I mean? There's a certain element of w- whether it's anger, fury, aggression, and that is not just relegated to the octagon or the square, depending on what your sport is. And so I think you get a lot of these guys who get out and say whatever they want, whenever they want, and and don't care. And even Re- reveling, I think McGregor's recently the best example of that. The... There used to be so many coaches that were like this too,
0: right? Bobby Knight, Jerry Tarkanian, me or you, me against the world. You're with me or you're against me. That's it. And there's some coaches that sort of toe the line. I mean, I don't think Nick Saban is that beloved in the coaching profession, but he's nowhere near the the villain that Bobby Knight was. How about Mike Leach?
1: The difference is he doesn't he doesn't say stuff that's so... <laughs> yeah, but Mike Leach is like the most beloved person in college but that's football. That's my thing, though, but... That- Here's the thing. You know what I think? I think everybody's so cautious, especially coaches, about everything that that they say that's said about them, that everything's got to be, you know – tailor made to whatever the thing is and so forth. And, so, and then when a guy goes out and says, Hey, I'm going to start teaching a class about pirates and football and war theory and football. Hey guys, what do you think about me with the, you know, Mickey Matt? I don't know. Whatever leech is up to walking at home at 4am with the golf kids along the side of the street as he tells the story. People are like, oh, well, that's nice to know that some crazy person is out there just letting themselves say whatever they want and doing whatever they want and not really worrying about it.
0: You know who's probably actually the greatest example in our little world of, of the greatest villain? Bobby Hawk. Bobby Hawk takes no prisoners. You're with him or you're against him. He he has never cared what the rest of the league thinks about him. He is the ultimate villain for the Caker's rivalry. I mean... You you can find all sorts of Bobcat fans that will say all sorts of good stuff about Don Reed and Mick Dennehy and Joe Glenn.
1: eh? Uh-uh, not Bobby Hawk So. Because of the
0: antagonist that he is, and I think it's so
1: great. I love a, it. As a matter of persona and antagonism, y- you are right about that. There's no question. But he also, he's got I mean, he does interviews with us, and, and we'll talk oh, yeah. and do the whole thing. But he is anything but the – he's not he, – his his way is very very subtle. It's more his demeanor and his and his smirkiness about it, uh, particularly about the rivalry that is is the antagonistic bit. He is the he's the antithesis of the WWE. You know, walk out there and start you know shooting off fireworks and stuff like this. For now. And certainly, well, For, for now, now, I mean. I I
0: I don't quote me on the year of the game, but it was one of the Cat Grizz games in the in the latter part of Hauk's first tenure. And during his post game sideline interview, he said, "Gosh dang it! I wish we had another quarter so we could keep whooping their bleep. Yeah. Like <laughs> let's go." Well, and that's and well, my and on the other side of this thing, I, I, if only I mean the world the world done. would have exploded if it would have lasted too long. But if we could have had a decade of Mike Kramer versus Bobby Houck, there's no guy that was better for their school and more like villainous to the other school than those two guys. They were such a perfect combo. It's like a movie because you can cast either one as the hero and the villain on either side of the rivalry.
1: Well, if Jeff Choate is around for another seven, eight years, which I have no reason to think that he won't be if he wants to be, and the same thing likely for Bobby Hauk, could get rolling pretty good. Yeah. Chote is so,
0: Chote's so, um, Chote's so analytical and articulate about things though. Like he does, he does take sly jabs from time to time, but mostly it's just the history of football in a 20 minute press conference, no matter who they're playing. <laughs> right. Like last year, he talked for 10 minutes about how much he loved Dalton Sneed. That's it. It was, right. it was a 10 minute analysis of all the good stuff that Dalton Sneed done. He broke down like 17 good plays of Dalton Sneed's. Right. Uh, Kramer is just, Kramer is the master of, of the English language, honestly. Kramer, I mean, every story I've written about the history of the Big Sky Conference the last 10 years, I call Mike Kramer because he's going to give you like a social studies quality lecture about it. I mean, it, he's, he's just second to none in, in, he should have been a boxing promoter is what he should have been. Mm. And young Bobby Houck was so good at that kind of stuff too. Just, just the little things like calling him Bozeman State. You know, never calling them the Cats, you know. Never calling Montana State. Staying in Livingston when you go to Bozeman. You know, just the little things. It's it's this classic. So we'll see if it gets ramped back up. But I also think, you know, this day and age, it just there's a lot that goes into why this doesn't exist anymore. Because you know, if you do say if you do say something outrageous or you do say something inflammatory, it used to be that it'll appear in the paper the next day, and it'll take a day or two or three to get to. The, the party that it's trying to inflame. Whereas now, you have, say either of these head coaches from Montana, Montana State, say, say, said something inflammatory during the Cacker's pregame press conference. Boom, it's on Twitter in 17 seconds. Within, right. a, within an hour, it's got 150 retweets, and now everybody's calling everybody and blah, 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 blah. So I think that just the firestorm that exists now has dissipated some of this. But I think that you had a good point too. So go ahead and make your point why you think that the... The concept of villains has dissipated.
1: Well, I think it's because so much, I mean, I, again, I mean, not everything is about social media, but a lot of things are And the, I mean, people want to be liked more. I, I, actually, I don't think that's true. I think everybody always wants to be liked ultimately, right? Uh, everybody. But there are,
0: I think the most successful people don't care as much. I disagree. By, to be liked by everybody, I think everybody wants to be liked by the people that they care about, exactly. I, think, and I think the most successful people know how to make their circle. And they say, "These are the people I care what it thinks of me. Other than that,
1: I don't care." Bingo, that's the key. And what we have now, and I am, I am, I think I'm generationally in this middle ground, in this brackish water, where you know, older than me is what you know. The social media is so stupid and dumb, and younger than me. It's what I'm spending a lot of my time up to. And I'm kind of in this middle and I get pulled in both directions. But it it, it appears to me that, say, the the 30 and under group, which, by the way, comprises most of the professional athletes at work uh, right now, uh, social media is a very, very direct and impactful and accepted – informant about yourself and and they can't or don't just go no that stuff doesn't bother me i don't pay attention to it whatever whatever because they're engaging it what we've opened up is a global conversation and there can be up for you know from dozens to millions and millions and hundreds of millions of people involved and focused on the same things talking about the same things and if that turns out to be an individual who is also engaging with and going back out there and taking for themselves directly the things that are said about them, good and bad, usually bad when it's in the form of the internet, then that stuff becomes impactful. And and you know it's not so easy as just going, well, just don't listen to it, just don't look at it. I mean, it, you are you are expected. In fact, in in most of these professionals' cases, you are required contractually with your sponsors and so forth to be on Twitter, to be on you know, Instagram, whatever it might be, and putting stuff out there. Now, Do you have to get down into the comments section of it? Well, probably you don't, but nonetheless, it is there and it's very real, and it, it is, it, its orientation to these people is very different than what it is for, say, 35, 40 years and up.
0: Have you ever seen Good Night and Good Luck? The movie? No,
1: I haven't. I know the movie. I have not seen it.
0: Very good. Very well done. Watched it last night. You should watch it. It's only an hour and a half, so it's a good...
1: Perfect. Kind of pre, me seven days.
0: <laughs> it's a good little pre pre bedtime, you know? Yeah. Uh, but it's about Edward Murrow mm-hmm. in the 1950s uh, and his sort of holding accountable Joseph McCarthy during the Red Scare mm-hmm. when Joseph McCarthy was on a witch hunt to find communists in America, which at first seemed like a great thing and then turned into a, a huge violation of constitutional rights in a lot of different forms. After each broadcast, the CBS Evening News, Edward Murrow and his team, they go and they drink scotch. And then they send one of the gals out to get the early edition of the New York Times and the New York Post so that they can read what has been written about them. And that intimacy of the columnist and the news reporter, I think, is like the first advent of social media. Because when you hearken back to the megastars that were in baseball— in the 40s and 50s and 60s. There was no Twitter or Facebook or anything, and people still knew everything about Joe DiMaggio's romantic life, his social life, who he was hanging out with. People knew that Ted Williams was a surly dude, that he was not necessarily you know, that warm and fuzzy, that embracing of a superstar. People knew that Mickey Mantle was living it hard, you know, riding, riding on the edge, living in the fast lane, because the court of public opinion has always existed. And I think people understand what the Court of Public Opinion thinks about you. But for whatever reason, when people are directly attacking you on Twitter through their own, even if they're just a little egghead with a fake name, that seems to strike to the core, to the heart of people way more than just knowing that the Court of Public Opinion, if you're Mickey Mantle and you're like, well, everybody thinks I'm a drunk, well, I don't care. Whereas Kevin Durant can't handle a little egghead going at him on Twitter, so he's got to respond to every single thing. But I do think that there's a level of, when it's a one-person-to-one-person one interaction, mm. the intimacy somehow turns people up a lot more just in terms of the way that it makes them feel. I don't know why that is.
1: I think you're right about that, but I also think, here's what I think. If you would have gone up to, 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 to Babe Ruth and said to him, you're a lousy drunk, or whatever it is, probably you would have lit a fire under Babe Ruth. Probably just would have punched you. Probably would have punched you, <laughs> right? But now you don't have to do that. You can become an egg-headed, you know. Right. It's the cowardice of it. Seven eight three two seven, and you're still a person over there saying it. Of course, that's not always the case. Obviously, the bots and so forth. But, sure. And and so it's the anonymity of it. But you still now instead of I mean, how many times would would someone confront one of these guys going back into the 30s and 40s directly? A handful would happen but it was you know right now it happens millions of times every single day it is different because it is i mean it, it's still not not the same at all as actually two people in a room together but but you're right because you know that it's like okay well this is what somebody is saying about me that's why you like the jimmy kim is it jimmy kimball doing the mean tweets yep or, or fallon i don't remember i don't know who it is but like you know that's stuff where it's like okay you can laugh it off all right but like being true, and I think a lot of people put stuff out there and just say immediately what's on their mind, which is tremendously mean and mean-spirited, but also like, well, Taylor Swift is never going to see this. Like, you reacting to some music video. Maybe somebody spent a lot of time, a lot of effort to get something out there that they really liked and cared for, and you go, oh, this is stupid, or whatever. Well, you would never say that to a person who had done that, and you probably don't even think it actually in your heart of hearts, but if you're on the internet, you're typing away, boom, 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 send. Done deal. And now all of a sudden, like now people are upset and, you know, makes sense. And it's just the lack of thinking and the reactionary, you know, reality of what it is to trans uh, to traffic in, in in the web.
0: I agree that Bryce Harper's the number one villain in Major League Baseball. I think there's actually a couple other guys. Uh, who's the kid from the White Sox?
1: Who's the bat flipper? Tim Anderson, is that right? Mm, I know who you're speaking out. I can't remember his name. Yasiel yeah. Puig. Yasiel Puig there? is definitely up there.
0: Uh, there's some other ones, too. In baseball, Mm baseball is one where you can, if you don't play the game, quote unquote, the right way, you can just get yourself sideways with your peers and the fans. Mm -hmm. So I think there's some there. Um, I also think that baseball comes with such an element of arrogance. Like you just have to, you almost like have to be cocky to be good at baseball. Mm -hmm. Like at least within your baseball persona, you have to have that ballpark persona. I'm just going to come up here and I'm ready to go. I mean, exactly. Bryce Harper. I mean, Bryce Harper is just, he's just been the dude for since he was 18 years old. But I think it's a little bit more uh, gray area, it, especially in the NFL right now, because there's so many hated guys in the NFL, but it's all because of their off-the-field stuff. I mean, these guys are just idiots, and they're just doing such horrible things. Yeah, you said there's things. plenty of
1: guys that are hated in the NFL, and they're all warranted.
0: They're all warranted, <laughs> right. right. Like, if you're hitting women, you deserve everything you get, but it's that's different to me than being a villain. Of course. So yes. who, are, who are the great villains in the league? I mean, Ezekiel I Elliott know. is definitely toeing the line, but so much of his is because of his bad behavior too.
1: I mean, I would have said, except for you and I both on the side, I would have said Phillip Rivers. Yeah, he's changed you know? a little
0: bit. That's a good one.
1: But, but he, you know, when he gets out there and he gets the Chucky clown ugly face going and he's yelling and screaming, and, but also not swearing hilariously. How about
0: Adamic and Sue?
1: Yeah, that's a good one. We I didn't were, get there with Adamic we Sue. We were having
0: belly laughs Saturday night thinking about... <laughs> And Dom, so we were thinking about just specifically interior defensive linemen in the NFL playing in the 1960s. Like, can you imagine? Oh, Like, we watched that ice bowl the other day, and these offensive linemen, these offensive linemen are like my size. I mean, a Dominic, you would have a medical emergency. Someone would die. For real. If you put a Dominican Sue and Aaron Donald in a game in the 1960s, some, someone would die.
1: The Washington Redskins hogs. You know the hogs? Oh yeah. Uh, I'm gonna see if I can find this for us real quick. I don't know if I'll, I'll be able to get to it. Mm. I think that the biggest one. This is the was like 275 baddest, meanest offensive yeah. lineman in football. Yeah, 272. Or uh, yeah, something yeah. John, like that. John, John Jansen. Johnson of the biggest. I mean John
0: Jansen's first ballot Hall of Famer. He's six foot four, 275 pound offensive tackle.
1: Right. And then the rest. I mean, then there's guys. You know, maybe 250. Yeah. Yeah, so... Here's a, here's a good dude, one. It's going to have himself a day in 1968. <laughs> yeah. All,
0: I mean... Yeah. All the, the plays. it will be like I the first play <laughs> of the Super Bowl
1: over and over yeah. and over again. No. dude. Okay, if people don't... Do yourself a favor, boys and girls. If you have not logged what happened in the first play of the Super Bowl, this most recent Super Bowl, just go watch it. Talk about the Bill Belichick sacrificial lamb of his uh, 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 fullback... Just taking two weeks of bound up just gross anticipation from Andomic and Sue to play in a Super Bowl and unloads it in one shot. And unbelievable.
0: This I mean, we could this is a whole different segment. We could do this later on. But I do think there's athletes from every generation that could compete in different generations. Like some of the best guys. I, I think Jim Brown most notably baseball. Most notably baseball. But I think a guy like Jim Brown could still gain yards in the NFL. You know guys, Eric yeah. Eric Dickerson, OJ Simpson, these yes. guys they they could get it done. And there's there's some other players, offensively, defensively, a lot of positions. But by and large, the game has accelerated so much. Mm. Where if you took the best of the best Montana and Montana State defensive linemen from this year and put them in a game in 1962 in the NFL, they would be more than just fine. They would they would dominate. They would dominate. I mean, Jesse Sims would kill people, and he's uh, he's like a you know solid Big Sky Conference player. Bryce Stirk, there's nobody like
1: Bryce Stirk. Playing in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, first of all, f- and you are, you're, you're talking physically and you're right about that, but also just they've played more hours of football now totally. at Montana, Montana State through their life than right. any Hall of Famer totally. prior to 1970.
0: And conversely, you know? the most interesting part would be the mentality part because I don't know if there's anybody walking the earth right now that are as tough as guys like Jack Lambert and Ray Nitschke and Joe Green. I mean, yeah. these guys are so tough. Sure. They would they would just outlast you. Another good one, this is text from my brother. Honestly, possibly the greatest villain in the NFL is your boy, Aaron Rodgers. A lot of people hate. And you. and Aaron Rodgers has the irreverent attitude where he doesn't care.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Who's the greatest who's the greatest villain in the NBA right now?
1: The NBA. I don't know. All these guys are so polarizing, right? I mean, you think they are all the greatest example. Durant ex- I don't. I don't know. Westbrook maybe, but not really. These guys are all
0: the greatest example of exactly what you said though. Everybody wants to be liked and these guys all have brands, so it's actually essential for them to be liked. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there is so many dudes who people hate just because they're good. I mean, people hate guys like LeBron just because they're good. Totally. Westbrook, Durant, they're all polarizing. Harden.
1: I uh I we, we, the, the last thing I'll say about this because I know we got to go, but when LeBron went to Miami and the way that he went to it, he became a villain. I mean, he was already you know, the best player uh, maybe Kobe but you know, in 1-2 in whatever uh, and he's up there in Cleveland and I think that, you know, he didn't he was beloved in cleveland i think people were impressed with him but i think a lot of people some people resented the fact that okay this kid came out of high school and he's so good and so on and so forth and then i don't know lebron has done a ton lebron doesn't have the biggest personality in the world i mean he's not charles barkley not even close he's a, he's, a, he's he's worked his way into being i think a lot more outgoing but that's not who he is you got to watch the shop man. i know i got it wash makes the you shop. realize that well, it's he, all tactful but but when he went to Miami, the way that he did it, and the, the announcement, and all that, he was a he was a hundred percent villain, straight villain, unintentional, unintentional. But that's what he became, and he hated every second of it because it's not who he is. And this wasn't about oh, I care about social media or whatever. It's just about who are you. Some guys would walk into the gym, and the signs would come, and they'd start bringing you know waving the crowd on fanning just the like play, the heels baby and lebron never shrunk from it he always used that to dominate i think among other things but also never really that's not who he wanted to be it's not who he is and so maybe partly because it was unintentional and because it was so immediate as well the backlash of all of that but he has since worked his way all the way out of that as far as i'm concerned and is now uh, much more liked than he is disliked, and I think he is certainly respected by everybody. Uh, and and that's I think to me when I think about Michael Jordan, people loved Michael Jordan. When I think about LeBron, there's certainly people who love LeBron. I think people respect LeBron James. Yep. And so that is uh, uh you know I don't know my two cents on it, but he's a guy who I thought. You know, if he wanted, he could have been the ultimate villain as the greatest, you know, one of the greatest players of all time, but it's just that it wasn't for him, and it's not what he wanted to be, and, and so, and, and he did, he's gone through a long process of undoing all of that.
0: Every sports Disney movie. It's the it's the upstart good guy team, the Mighty Ducks, the Titans, whatever, Gets versus Iceland. versus the dark team, right? The team Iceland. that wears black and the team that is villains and the team that loves being villains. So old, and Westerns. that and that's how it was. That especially in the NFL, that's how it was. I mean, think about all the NFL champion teams that were just that were hated teams, from the Raiders mm. to the Cowboys to the Steelers. I mean, very few of the teams were, you know, you know kind of like San Francisco 49ers totally. were like kind of the only good real good story i mean even the the 85 bears just villains savages totally and now it's not like that and i think I, I don't know i miss it because there is a certain element of theater to the good versus evil and it just it's not quite there
1: like it used to be do tell newan's 1029 ESPN radio nothing to talk about 40 minutes in uh 329-1899, 9, 9. give us a call right now. It's time for a Wing It Wednesday, boys and girls. I got a smattering of trivia questions for you. It's about bourbon. It's about tennis. We got it all covered. Don't worry. Don't let that scare you. You're going to get them. We're going to give you the tickets. 329-1899, 9, 9. give us a call right now. Go to the Desperado. Have some wings next.
0: Let the Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula make you feel at home, even when you're not.
1: You want to answer some questions, do some trivia, go to the Desperado Sports Tavern, get some wings, give us a call, 329-1899, 329-1899, the phone number. Do some Wing It Wednesday right now. We are broadcasting live from the Kurtz Polaris Studios. July is Kurtz Polaris' 30th birthday. Really, 30 years. And they are celebrating this month by offering up to 30% off. That's right, 30% off MSRP on select parts and accessories with the purchase of any new Polaris off-road vehicle, Husqvarna or Beta dirt bike, and any Crest pontoon boat. Some restrictions apply. See Kurtz for details. Get to Kurtz in Missoula or Sealy all month for Kurtz's three-year anniversary sale. Colter, I've got him here. The Hogs, Chubby. Uh They were, uh, as as this uh, as this article puts it, by Ed Boucher of the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. Mm-hmm. Um, Russ Grimm remembers when he was a really big man, even for a football player. He was six three two ninety. He says when I first came into the league, we were considered huge. He said the Hogs, the fierce Redskins offensive line, were immense. One, Jacob Jacoby, even weighed 300 pounds. So that's pretty good. I, th- I thought 270 was the high on that. Jacoby was 300, just. Grim, 290. Mark May, 290. 295. Joe Bostick, 265. And George Stark, 270. So there you go. The biggest, baddest offensive line. And that's what? 80s, right? Yeah, late 80s, late, late 90s. 80s. So 25, 30 years ago. When the, here's the thing.
0: Those guys sort of set the groundwork, the, the foundation, for then this glut of super heavy players. And there was probably actually more 300-pound guys in the NFL in the 90s and early 2000s than there are now. We've actually seen a regression in the size. In uh, the weight. In the, in the mass, right. Yeah. Right. Because now, it used to be, uh, like the Hogs are are pretty girthy and and big dudes. And then we had uh, such a uh, collection of just fat guys. I mean, look at the Dallas Cowboys' offensive line. Of Nate Newton and Larry Allen are two of the greatest offensive linemen in pro football history. There's no question. And they're two of the strongest guys ever. Those dudes are just fat, though. I mean, I mean, they can bench 700 pounds each. But so they're not just fat. Well, they're not just fat. But they, I mean, prodigious strength. Larry Allen's the strongest player in NFL history. Yes. There's no doubt. But he also weighed 360 pounds. He's not in, he's not in elite physical condition. Not now mean. you look at guys. Now guys look like you know Max Unger, who played center for the Seahawks. I mean, he's 295, 300 pounds. He's not fat. Well the the, the absolute David
1: best example of all of this. Aaron Donald. Oh, Aaron Donald. You can't find an interior lineman anywhere either side of the ball where you're like, Well, I'd like to be him with my shirt off. I mean, I covered this I went to I was a, a reporter uh and covered the Seattle Seahawks in two thousand four, I think it was. And went into the Seattle Seahawks locker room, you know? And I'm sitting here looking at the the offensive lineman. I'm like, I'm glad I'm me. Like, yeah, you're strong. Right. But, like, you know, I got it. I got it. That's where all this great confidence comes from, Coulter. I'm like, I'm way better looking than most of these Seahawks here, you know? And now you go in and you go, whoa, Aaron Donald? How? How's that possible? I mean, even in his uniform, you can see Aaron Donald under the pads ripped up. It's insane. So, I don't know. I and,
0: don't know and like the offensive else. linemen. I mean, like Teron Smith, David Bakhtiari, yeah, yeah, yeah. Trent Williams. like oh, These guys are not fat. They're
1: dancing bears, dude. They're, yeah. they're, you're absolutely right. They're just giant athletic, uh, athletes.
0: And that's the thing that's changed so much. I mean, uh, it used to be that you had to put on a certain amount of bad weight to get to 300 pounds. But now, I mean, and sue doesn't have bad weight. Well, what would happen when you used to retire, as you know, back in the day? Plus fifty, minus fifty. It's the rule.
1: But it was plus fifty most now, of the time. If you're a lineman, you retire, and people go, "Are you okay?" Like Joe Thomas is sitting there. he looks like I mean, he just looks. I mean, well, he's he's a big guy, but he just looks like a dude, right? He's, a, he's just a guy with big arms and a shirt. Like, there's not much, there's, but it's, it has nothing to do, like, with what, you know, 340 or whatever it is. Totally. And so, uh, you know, that's what you got to do, I guess, to play football. That's what they're getting on Gronk for right now. You know, I supposedly lost a lot of weight.
0: Well, yeah, the thing is, when you're, like, long, lean, limbed like him,
1: to stay 270, you have to eat so much. I mean, what's the matter with that? I'm going to do it. Two telling the one, us 1029 ESPN Radio. Okay, we're going to get to a wing at Wednesday. we got to do it. we got to do it here in a little bit, okay? Because we're up against it. We'll do it in a bit.
2: Boy, some chicken wings would really hit the spot.
1: Wouldn't they? Wouldn't they, though? Coulter, you and I both know being healthy is a very, very important part of life. Am I right about that? Indeed, guess it is. Well, one of the things that makes me healthy, think you as well, fiber. Got to have it. You sure do, man. You need to eat your fruits and your veggies, your bananas. You got to get all that stuff in. Maybe even some bran. Plums. All of it. Fiber is very important. Well, guess what? Turns out it's important to communication as well. You might be surprised to learn that Blackfoot and its partners have invested millions of dollars, truly, in building a fiber optic network throughout Montana. Through Bozeman and around Gallatin County, more than 30 miles of fiber optic cable have been laid by Blackfoot. That's amazing.
0: Impressive. Innovative. And a perfect place with the way Bozeman's been growing.
1: Click on the link below. go slash ESPN. They're not trying to sell you anything. They don't want you to do anything. They just want you to know what they're up to and how they're improving communication across the state of Montana.
0: So go to goblackfoot.com backslash ESPN now.
1: The United States is in the World Cup Championship the Women's World Cup. They are playing the Netherlands, who defeated Sweden 1-0. Do you think about that That Dutch orange, Colter, are you into that orange? I think it's great. Okay. Are
0: you you're not into it? I mean, I, I, I have no affinity for colors. I'm colorblind. Yeah,
1: that's the reason I said okay like that is not It had nothing to do with me. It had to do with you just getting on and saying whatever came to your mind first, which was, that's great, even though you have no relationship to color whatsoever. And right. so you just, I mean, you just came on here and you just spouted that.
0: Well, I can see orange, so I do have an affinity for that color. Because <laughs> it's one I can always tell and one I
1: never wear. We are broadcasting live from the Kurtz Polaris studios. July is Kurtz Polaris' 30th birthday. That's right, 30 years. And they are celebrating this month by offering up to 30%. That's right, 30% of MSRP on select parts and accessories with the purchase of any new Polaris off-road vehicle, a or beta dirt bike, or any Crest pontoon boat. That's right, they got pontoon boats now at Kurtz. Great. Some restrictions apply. See Kurtz for details. Get to Kurtz Polaris in Missoula and Sealy, all month long for Chris Blair's 30th anniversary sale.
0: One time, a group of my friends rented a pontoon boat on Flathead Lake, I think actually over the 4th of July, and they sunk it. Uh,
1: that's, I mean, I guess good that it's a rental, bad that it's a rental.
0: Terrible. So bad, because you have to sign off on it. you got to pay three times the price of the boat.
1: I mean, come on, where's the insurance
0: at? Well, because, but then the, obviously the renter wants to... Get the boat and make you repair it, so they make money off of it. It was bad. It was real bad.
1: Um, Middle of the lake, not close to the shore. I was uh, I was up at the lake uh, this weekend, and uh, I see this guy walking. I'm like, well, that's no, that's no average man. And then I was like, you know what? I think I I, I may recognize this person. You hey, know, you're a little ways away, distance. I just kind of yell out, "Brian." He looks up. Hey over Brian Qualley mm. former Grizz Center yes
0: yeah, slightly above average sized man
1: is he if he's not seven feet he's right he's at seven it. feet tall and 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 proportionate i mean he's he's uh he's a, he's a big guy all the way around not just tall and uh he was uh on his way on a boat ride and so we chatted for a while and talked it was good to see him so it couldn't be a nicer guy brian Qualley. we've we talked to him on, on a number of occasions really uh, think highly of him, uh, but he went to get into a a just regular human sized motorboat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they also had some supplies because they were they were making a run uh, out to kind of where they were staying, uh, and and he wasn't the only person on the boat. A couple other uh, guys. Uh, I wasn't sure that boat was going to get there. I mean, it was. I mean, I thought the water was coming, going to start coming in the back, and that's the thing. Like, as soon as the water starts, there's no going back. Like, you got to jump out the boat right now and make that thing float because the water, I mean, it's a trickle, then it's running, and then and now you're sunk. You know, you got, and it was, I mean, and you can't always tell from the inside, like, really how close you are to the water because I've seen some boats out on the lake, man, that you're like, buddy, you you have got to get, you got to get rid of something out of there. You know, draw straws or whatever. Who's swimming? Because if we got somebody. We got to make this. Suit so telling they want us. It's Fourth of July, man. Boat safety. That's what we're about here today, right?
0: <laughs> I told you the story about when my brother floated the locks on a tube.
1: <laughs> you have we had no we had have, mentioned we
0: that. had uh, overcapacity in the raft. So, fourteen-year-old Brooks decided, "Let's go. I'm going to take the the uh, snow tube face first. Life jacket down the lock, so. How'd it go? Well, my brother was actually the most extreme, brave person I've ever met until he was, like, 18. And then that all came crashing down with all his just massive injuries, mm-hmm. and now he's very cautious. Mm-hmm. I think it's very good life lessons. He got to feel the thrill of adrenaline and experience wisdom and courage and uh, caution and, uh, at
1: a young age. You know, I—now, your brother has, has had some uh, more sig- significant injuries than anybody ever should. But I am very much of the persuasion, within the bounds of general safety, as a father, let the kids fall over. You sure. know, You want to jump off the couch, buddy? Be my guest. Right,
0: but when your son, like, fractures his ankle and it, like, goes through the skin no, and you no, have to no, have, no, have emergency no, no, no. surgery, don't, you're don't, not going
1: to be thinking don't, that. Don't, he's not, that's not happening off the couch. It could happen off of the balcony. Or just playing basketball. I mean, it could happen in any number of ways, but I'm talking about where, you, where all of a sudden now CPS is at your home. That's not what I'm interested in. We're, we're keeping care of the kids, okay? But you know what? The world is hard and you are soft, and that should be a lesson that everybody at some point has to come to terms with, you know, and there are bounds of courage, and then there are bounds, once you cross that threshold, into stupidity, and you got to know which is which. you just got to learn that lesson. There's a lot of people that are going to learn that lesson this weekend sometimes you just gotta send it it's like my old ski buddy used to say
0: just send it
2: whether you're traveling to Missoula for business a family visit or to watch the Grizz game the Wingate wants to be your home away from home call the Wingate to find out how we can take care of your next trip to Missoula from conference rooms to great complimentary breakfast to an indoor water park We have what you need and what you want when traveling. The Wingate of Missoula is a proud supporter of Grizzly and Lady Grizz athletics, and we look forward to making you feel at home when you're not.